having their own policy really drove it home. When I first started telling my dad about this after my uh, experience with um, uh, 2008, 2009, a lot of people had a lot of experiences around that time. And I told my dad about this. He's like, oh, he says, I wish I would have known about this 30 years ago when I started my real estate career in investing. He says, holy cow, there's so many more deals I could have done uh, that I wasn't able to because I couldn't get you know, financing or the right, didn't have the right type of leverage at the right time with the banks. And um, if I could have just done this on my own and he says, I need to, I want to show you something. So he pulled out this policy uh, that he had bought for me. And keep in mind, this wasn't even designed the way we design them optimally for the infinite banking concept. This is just a regular old, you know, whole life insurance policy. And I find it interesting uh, when people say that they're expensive, because I would say that, you know, whole life insurance probably is the cheapest insurance that you'll ever buy in your entire life. And that might shock some people to hear people say that. But like you mentioned earlier, most insurances you're going to buy are just dead dollars that go to waste. If you don't get in a car accident, which nobody wants, or you don't die, which nobody wants, uh, those dollars are just going to be wasted and uh, thrown down a black hole. A whole life insurance policy is the only life insurance that if you keep it your whole life is guaranteed uh, to pay off that somebody's going to benefit. Let's get ready to scale. Welcome to yet another episode of Ready to Scale. I'm your host, Jeanette Friedrich. Joining me today is Robert Scranton. Robert is the CEO of Your Financial IQ. As a former financial executive, he teaches people how to use their current debts and expenses to grow their wealth outside of traditional approaches. Uh, it's a concept that is basically known as the infinite banking concept or IBC. So very interesting uh, conversation, I'm sure, today. He has been a serial entrepreneur, including uh, previously owning his own chiropractic practice. He also worked as a former chief financial architect uh, from a company that's now today called The Wealth Factory. And it was led uh, by Garrett Gunderson, who is actually the author of What Would the Rockefellers Do? I've actually read that book. So if you haven't, I definitely recommend you do. He has a bachelor's in accounting and finance from the University of Illinois, and he also has his doctorate in uh, in chiropractic medicine. Uh, he's joining us today from South Jordan, Utah. So Dr. Rob, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeanette. So, uh, glad to be here. Yeah. So I'm really excited to dig into this because this is a little bit out of our normal wheelhouse. Um, I am familiar with it, but not necessarily all listeners are. So for starters, can you explain to us what is uh, infinite banking? Yeah, it's a way of, you know, using your debts and expenses to uh, grow your wealth and, uh, you know, get as much cash into a, a tax-free environment uh, as you possibly can and get the government uh, the heck out of your hair by creating, you know, personal control and dominion over your money and finances instead of having it, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, in a, other people's hands as far as, um, you know, the decisions that you're able to make. Uh, with your own money, you know, for instance, you know, if you go to Wells Fargo and you try to take out more than ten thousand uh, dollars, you got to fill out paperwork and explain what the purpose is and why you're using it. And uh, so it allows us to grow and accumulate our money, you know, tax free in a tax free environment uh, without any explanation. If we want to use it at any time, uh, you know, we have access to it. It's about as liquid as 
um, you know, money can be like even like I said, even more so than your money at uh, at Wells Fargo. And it's it's a system to, uh, you know, allow us to become our own bank so that we don't have to go or request permission or ask other people uh, if we can buy a house or buy a car. We just need to ask ourselves and we can eventually build this banking system up to where, uh, you know, our kids could come to us for the down payment on their first house instead of living in our basement for 10 years or, you know, when they went to buy their first car or like my son, you know, he doesn't know it yet, but, you know, we built up his own bank for him so that when he goes to school next fall, I haven't told him yet, like I said, because I want him to keep working hard and save as much of his own money for college as he can, but he's got enough uh, cash value that's built up inside his own banking system over the years that he'll be able to just pay for his schooling and then pay himself back without filling out those FAFSA forms and uh, or taking loans or worrying about grants or any of that sort of stuff. So uh, I guess that's a longer explanation maybe than a, a nutshell explanation. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. It all sounds, you know, great and well and good, but it also probably doesn't make a lot of sense yet for listeners. So, you know, let's kind of really get to the nuts and bolts of this. So, you know, what we're talking about is essentially taking advantage and leveraging whole life insurance policies and allocating the funds in a very strategic and different way. So, you know, kind of starting from that standpoint uh, and making it maybe a little bit clearer to listeners what we're talking about, this tool, right, is the whole life insurance policy. And the strategy is essentially the infinite banking. So can you kind of take us step by step, you know, through, okay, let's see, we get a whole life insurance policy, which is much easier said than done. It's not too hard, but not everybody can get one. So you get a right. whole life insurance policy, then what? Yeah, so you're right. Sometimes that is a challenge that people have certain, uh, you know, uh, risk factors or health events that they've dealt with. Uh, but in those cases, what we're often able to do is just, find a, a spouse or an employee, a key employee or another body, essentially we can insure uh, so we can still do that infinite banking system. And you're right, uh, this specially designed whole life insurance policy is the uh, is the product that we're using for the, for the process. And it's kind of a little bit different way of uh, thinking. Most people, when they've uh, shop for life insurance in the past or been sold life insurance, usually it's one of those two, they're trying to solve for getting the most amount of death benefit for the lowest premium that we possibly can. And we actually turn that on its head. We're trying to get the lowest amount of death benefit we possibly can with the highest amount of premium because we're really trying to overfund these policies get as much cash into them in the early years as we possibly can so that cash can be growing, accumulating, and compounding year after year in a tax-free um, environment. So it grows tax-free, and then we can use that money in the form of loans, uh, you know, it now or later or in the future, or even to help us, you know, fund our retirement uh, at some point down the road and utilize that money, you know, tax-free uh, at that point as well. And I always have a really interesting comparison of two people, one that has used this method uh, to, to save for retirement and somebody that's kind of done that traditional IRA or 401k uh, method to save for retirement and the difference, because it's not just how much you save for retirement, but it's at least equally important, uh, I believe, in how you uh, take your money or receive your money in retirement as well. So that can be an interesting uh, topic to talk about as well. So I hope I, I answered your question. I get excited when I start talking about this topic and uh, so feel free to stop me at, <laughs> at any time. <laughs> 
Well, you know, I was introduced to it uh, by one of our investors actually here at Blue Lake. Uh, so, you know, one of our investors is a really big fan of this particular strategy, and he's the one that actually educated me on it. And, um, you know, and so I actually ended up going through the process of getting a whole uh, a life insurance policy. Uh, and I'm in the process, you know, of transferring that over to a whole life insurance policy. Um, and it's been interesting. So I'll just kind of share what my experience has been so people can understand yeah. kind of the concept, right? So, yeah. you know. Uh, you're right. So, you know, you want to have a life insurance policy in place because you want to make sure your family is taken care of, right? Now, one thing that a lot of people don't realize is you can actually take out more than one life insurance policy. So we'll start there. So you mm -hmm. can take out, you know, more than one life insurance policy. So you can have one that is, you know, basically what you said earlier alluded to, you want to be able to play to be able to pay a pretty low premium for really good benefits, uh, you know, upon your death, right to your family. But this whole life insurance policy is really, I think life insurance policy is almost like the wrong word to use because it's almost <laughs> more like a savings account. It's like a high yield savings account that if you think of it like traditional insurance, you're going to be co completely confused because typically yeah. insurance is like a waste of money. It's like a loss of money. Every mm -hmm. month you pay your car insurance, you will never see that money back. You know, every month you pay your life insurance policy, you'll never see that money back. Whole life insurance policy, different ball game, right? So mm -hmm. with a whole life insurance policy, if you view it more as a high yield savings account, then then you start to understand. Okay, wait, this is not your average insurance policy. So basically, it, it's it's it is it is expensive. You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You know, it is expensive, but essentially, it's a savings account. So if you don't look at it necessarily like an expense, you look at it as an investment. And every you know year you buy your policy and ideally you want to maximize as much as you can putting into that policy because what you can do is you can turn around and borrow against it. Now, that doesn't sound like it makes any sense until you understand the fact that these whole life insurance policies actually pay out a premium. So every year it can be, you know, 5%, 6%, but your money is actually growing. So you're actually building on the funds that you have invested or deposited into that insurance policy. And you begin to generate, say, we'll just use easy numbers. Let's say it's 5%, right? Well, if it's already growing at 5% and then you want to borrow against that and go invest in something else that say is generating 7%, then right there, not only are you making enough to actually eventually quote, pay yourself back, but then you're also making a sweet additional profit with the 2% Delta again, right? So it's about taking your money and using it in really creative ways to make sure that your money is making money here, it's making money there. Now, it is a little risky, and it can seem a little intimidating if people are not used to this concept, but this is exactly how rich people get really, really rich. I mean, this is what the book, you know, what would the Rockefellers do? It really goes into a lot of that. And so, you know, I just find it really fascinating, this strategy and how people are using it. So now, now you said, and I hadn't even thought about this next level, you said that you have your son basically pretty much primed and ready to go for school. So talk about, I'm just thinking about, okay, how does one person do it? Now, I hadn't even thought about doing it across the family, which is definitely what the Rockefellers do and other very, very ultra wealthy people. So can you explain how do you take a singular concept like that and then scale it out across, say, your whole family? 
Well, yeah, I mean, I started uh, with, you You mentioned about having multiple policies. Um, you know, I started out with one policy, what I could afford, but what, which is what happens statistically with most people over time, they get promotions, they get raises or just uh, inflationary you know, upward pressure of wages, they're going to make more money in the future. And I found that I had, uh, you know, seeing how these policies were working and how I was utilizing them for the banking. And, you know, I have uh, three cars parked in my garage and I've used my banking policies. And I've got all the money back for all the cars that I've ever bought. And I still have the car sitting out in the garage. I don't know how many of your listeners uh, have gotten any of the money back for any of the cars that they've uh, bought, driven, or leased over their lifetime, but typically none. But uh, you, you know, we we show people how to get all the money back for all the cars they're ever going to buy, drive, or lease the rest of their life. And most people seem kind of interested in learning how that's uh, you know how that's mm -hmm. possible to do that. So so then I got another policy in myself and another policy, and I kind of started to get where I was maxing out. Uh, the uh, amount of human life value that the uh, insurance company is willing to assign to my particular life, I I felt kind of hurt by that a little bit. They <laughs> only thought I was, you know, that they could put a price on my life, but they do. Um, so then I got a policy in my wife, and then I eventually got them on my kids, realizing that, you know, I could show them how I've been utilizing this in my life. It's probably, I think, one of the the best things that I will ever pass on to my children. Hopefully there's a lot of others, but I think this is probably the most valuable piece of information uh, that I'll ever show them. But having their own policy really drove it home. When I first started telling my dad about this after my uh, experience with um, uh, 2008, 2009, a lot of people had a lot of experiences around that time. And I told my dad about this. He's like, oh, he says, I wish I would have known about this 30 years ago when I started my real estate career in investing. He says, holy cow, there's so many more deals I could have done uh, that I wasn't able to because I couldn't get, you know, financing or the right, didn't have the right type of leverage at the right time with the banks. And um, if I could have just done this on my own. And he says, I need to, I want to show you something. So he pulled out this policy uh, that he had bought for me. And keep in mind, this wasn't even designed the way we design them optimally for the infinite banking concept. This is just a regular old, you know, whole life insurance policy. And I find it interesting uh, when people say that they're expensive, because I would say that, you know, whole life insurance probably is the cheapest insurance that you'll ever buy in your entire life. And that might shock some people to hear people say that. But like you mentioned earlier, most insurances you're going to buy are just dead dollars that go to waste. If you don't get in a car accident, which nobody wants, or you don't die, which nobody wants, uh, those dollars are just going to be wasted and uh, thrown down a black hole. A whole life insurance policy is the only life insurance that if you keep it your whole life is guaranteed uh, to pay off that somebody's going to benefit uh, from someday. So, you know, most of the policies, the way we design them, you'll get every dollar back that you ever pay into that policy uh, within 10 years. And from that point forward, it's basically a free policy. So to me, when people say it's expensive, I said, well, what do you mean by that? And what time frame are we looking at? Because the name of this policy is a permanent life insurance policy, or it's whole life insurance policy. If we're planning to have it for our whole life, it's actually the cheapest insurance, uh, you know, policy that you'll, you know, likely ever uh, own in your in, in entire life. And so yeah, getting those on my kids, uh, I wanted to do that because I looked at what my dad had done for me with just a basic run-of-the-mill whole life insurance policy. So this had been in place for about 30 years at this point. And he's like, you're old enough now, you're working, you probably should take this over and start making these premium payments yourself. And a small numbers, but I think the example is really worth a look because that policy was basically a burial expense uh, policy, uh, $10,000 death benefit. It was $50 a year premium, but the cash 
increase, the cash value increase each year was over $350 a year. So think about that. I give them 50 bucks, they give me 350 back. Uh, if my math is right, that's a 700% return on the dollars I'm putting in there. I just don't know any place on the planet where you can do that. And it's guaranteed in a contract with the life insurance company. It can never go down. It only goes up and gets better every single year. And so uh, once I saw that, it's like you have your own real example that's you know not just theory or something you're reading in a book. I was like, I need to do this for my kids too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now let's get into the next advantage about it, which is taxes. But before we do, let's have a word from our sponsor. Ready to Scale is brought to you by Blue Lake Capital, where we hunt down the best multifamily investment opportunities that we can find and invite investors to join in with us. We target Class B value-add multifamily properties across the Sun Belt. Our CEO, Ellie Perlman, invests a substantial amount of capital into every deal. This means our interests are aligned with yours. If you're an accredited investor looking to expand your portfolio and diversify sponsors, be sure to visit us at bluelake-capital.com. Blue Lake Capital. Be bold, be extraordinary, and keep moving forward. Dr. Rob, let's talk about the taxes, because this is something, of course, uh, that is very frustrating for a lot of people. You know, we work really hard to make a great living. We try to be very savvy and sophisticated with our investments to find additional income streams. And then comes Uncle Sam and, you know, devours a good portion of that. And it's painful. So what are some of the unique advantages about this strategy uh, when it comes to actually tying it into a tax strategy. Yeah, well, I think it helps to have a little bit of history lesson for most people around the insurance industry. These whole life insurance products that we use, I mean, all the companies that we use have been around for 125 to 147 years that they've been in existence. And this product has been around for over 200 years. And so what's really interesting and unique about it is these products were created and designed and the laws went on the books far before the U.S. income tax code or the IRS ever existed. So uh, those entities uh, you know, were never really able to figure out a way to steal and confiscate people's money in the form of taxes with uh, these whole life insurance policies and the way the money grew and accumulate, uh, accumulated uh, inside them. So I always ask people, well, when it comes to taxes, would you rather pay tax on the, uh, the seed corn or the harvest? And most people say, well, the seed corn, because that's a lot smaller. So, yes, so we're going to be putting post-tax dollars in uh, to these policies to start them. But after that, uh, that you know, money grows and compounds and accumulates and uh, inside the policy tax-free. And we can borrow that money out in the form of uh, loans uh, to use at any point in our life tax-free. And if people want to question that, they should ask themselves how much tax they've ever paid on any of the loans that they've ever taken in their entire life. My guess is it's zero. And so, uh, you know, if we have if we have or had time, I could even use that as an example of like, said somebody taking their money in retirement from a traditional retirement account and taking their income you know, through this uh, banking system that we talked about, it's pretty interesting to think about the the consequences of uh, of doing both. Uh, but from a tax standpoint, uh, yeah, it's just uh, phenomenal. Watch, I mean, some of my policies that are fourteen or fifteen years old now. 
I, I see that compounding effect taking place, just like we talked about that 30-year-old policy. Some of my oldest ones are now about 15 years old. And I get my statement every year and it just puts a big smile on my face. And I see I put that $10,000 deposit into my uh, you know, premium deposits into my policy that some people say is expensive. But I, and I see the cash growth of $18,500. And I really, if I show that to anybody, I'd like to know anybody that would say that that insurance is expensive at that point. I mean, that's 185% return on the dollars I'm putting uh, into that policy. Um, and it's all growing and accumulating in their tax-free year after year after year. And I'll be able to borrow that, use that uh, to help my kid with college or uh, buy the, help them buy their first car, whatever I want to do with it uh, tax-free um, as well. Yep. Very solid point. That's why I said, you know, it's really important that mind shift from looking at it as an insurance policy where you think of it as a bill versus looking at it as, oh, wait, this is a lot that I'm investing in myself, or this is a lot that I'm investing. No one is sad when they're investing a lot. You know, that's that's a good thing, right? You make a good return for your good investment. So it's really- that's right. If you think of it more as like a savings account that comes with a bill every month, uh, maybe it's- <laughs> But and it also has all those protections. You know, if that money was just sitting in Wells Fargo, well, it's uh, subject to uh, liens, judgments, IRS decisions, uh, you know, uh, lawsuits. Um, but once you move it from that environment into kind of what we describe as your own banking system, well, officially those dollars are now considered part of the death benefit, the life insurance policy. So they're typically not subject to any of those things, and the cash is still as liquid nearly as it would be inside of Wells Fargo. Very interesting. I had not actually taken into consideration that particular uh, benefit of it either. Interesting. And just out of curiosity, if you happen to know, I know you're not a lawyer, but, uh, you know, upon your death, if someone was trying to file, say, a, a ridiculous, ludicrous lawsuit against you and try to go after all of your wealth upon your death, could they then try to approach the family and sue for those expenses or those damages uh, after the policy has been realized? Typically not because uh, it, unless they were somehow involved or named in the lawsuit as well, and they were also a beneficiary, you know, on the policy, those uh, monies would pass through to whoever was named as the beneficiary because the beneficiary could be a charity, uh, it could be a, a trust or an individual, a corporation, uh, whatever you decide to, you know, to name as a beneficiary. Interesting, interesting. Now, one of the things that I thought was crazy that blew my mind when I read, you know, what would the Rockefellers do is that I didn't realize you can also buy other people's policies, which mm -hmm. just I thought was shocking. And so that was one of the things in the book that I learned. Um, so can you kind of just expand upon that a little bit? How does that work? How do you just go and randomly start buying other people's whole life insurance policies that are offering them up for sale? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different situations where that happens. I was just, uh, shoot, I wish I could remember the name of the company. I was, I listened to Fox News sometimes on the Sirius XM channel, and a company was advertising exactly that, offering to buy people's uh, life insurance policies. And so, uh, you know, that that can happen in all sorts of situations. Somebody has an illness, uh, and they have a need for cash, and they have, then they can't continue paying for it because. You know, they need round the clock care or whatever. And so, you know, the insurance company, they could just surrender to the policy and the insurance company will give them X number of dollars. Maybe it's $20,000 in cash value in there is the surrender charge. Somebody might be willing, though, if it's one of these specially designed banking policies, 
because they know that the cash has already started that process of growing and accumulating, and it just gets better and better every year that it has on it, like we talked about my 30-year-old policy uh, earlier. And so they might be willing to pay them a premium of, say, $24,000, more than the insurance company would be willing to give them as a surrender charge so they can take that policy over. Because we have people that learn about this banking system and really want to do it and have it available in their lives, but they have maybe had some health event that disqualifies them from ever being able to be uh, insurable, but they can still do this banking system, like you said, by purchasing somebody else's. The other interesting thing I've always found uh, with this infinite banking system is something hardly anybody rarely ever talks about, but somebody in a, you know, that's saving their money at a traditional way and just trying to live off uh, a portion of the interest or whatever every year uh, is in a situation where they're afraid to you know, dip into the pile of money that they've saved because then they'll be making that interest that they want to spend on a smaller amount. So they'll have a smaller amount to spend. Whereas, you know, with this infinite banking system, it really allows us to spend every single dollar we ever make our entire life and still leave it all to the next generation or even require the next generation as part of the death benefit um, to purchase more uh, whole life insurance on the next generation. So they continue to uh, keep the wealth in the family and make this a generational wealth transfer for multiple generations to come instead of have it all disappear you know, in the first generation, like the Vanderbilts, I think used as the example, not as opposed to the Rockefellers. In three generations, all the Vanderbilt's money was gone. And today, I think they could still count something like 79 Rockefellers that are still millionaires from that original John Rockefeller fortune. And John Rockefeller and Cornelius Vanderbilt were almost equal uh, in their wealth in their heyday at the at the time that they were, you know, uh, kind of the titans of industry um, in the United States. And so uh, when we look at that, you know, th that also allows us then to uh, have the opportunity if we decide, you know what, I'm going to live off of the cash values in the form of loans to fund my lifestyle in retirement from, say, age 65 to 85. And then all of a sudden they've drawn down all the cash inside that policy and say, well, I, I didn't really expect to live past 85. What do I do now? Well, you find a whole, and like I said, I just heard it on Fox News, companies offering, you know, and trying to find clients through advertising to buy their policies. But you'll find people out there if you had a $2 million death benefit policy when you're 85 years old, you're going to find people are willing to pay you a million dollars cash uh, to buy your $2 million death benefit policy. Understand that they're almost guaranteed, they're guaranteed they're going to double their money probably in the next five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, and now you got a whole another million dollars uh, to spend to fund your lifestyle from age 85 to, to whenever. And that's something I don't think people really talk a whole lot about um, when they talk about whole life insurance being expensive because more likely at 85 years old, nobody will have a term policy anymore because once you get close to the age that you're likely to die, uh, the premiums go up 10 times or so significant that you know nobody typically can afford to pay them. So they just let them lapse at that point. Yep, exactly, exactly. Well, this has been really insightful. And I hope, uh, you know, that those of you that are listening um, are seriously taking some notes because, you know, there's a reason why alternative investments, um, you know, are, are a hot, you know, buzzword. 
Uh, because the reality is that our world has changed dramatically. Our economy has changed dramatically. This is not the era of being part of a union or, you know, having a pension. I mean, that's really rare. So, you know, the reality, the absolute stark reality is that we've got to adapt and we've got to understand how to get creative and really find some alternative ways, you know, to do our own unique financial planning for the long term. Because the reality is, is if we don't, we're going to leave ourselves in a very bad position and potentially our families too. So I just, you know, I think it's really insightful and a, a great, you know, strategy for people to, to consider. But nonetheless, uh, we will finish at least on a funner note, which is uh, our lightning round questions. So I ask all of the guests on our show five questions. Are you ready? Uh, we'll, let, let's go for it. <laughs> all right. All right. So my first question for you is, what do you actually do for fun when you're not, you know, being your own bank? Well, I'm just looking out the window right now and realizing that the fog is settled in over the mountains uh, here in Utah. And I'm probably not going to go skiing, but I, I I look at that every day and try to get up there as often as I can in the wintertime. And in the summer, I like to play golf and I play tennis all year round. So I, I guess I'm I'm pretty active is a lot of my fun. <laughs> well, good, good. All right. Now, Dr. Rob, what is something that most people don't know about you? What do they don't know about me is that I uh, nearly uh, what I, 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 I was almost all the way through getting my master's degree in in history, love history, read books all the time. I was uh, focusing on Russian history funny enough, given what's going on in Russia uh, now, um, and adopted two children from Russia, uh, ultimately. Uh, but as I talked to my professor, he's like, you're a, an amazing researcher, an amazing writer, Rob. That's before we had AI or computers. And I had to go to the library and check out books and to do my research and write uh, my, my papers. <laughs> and um, But he told me, he says, he says, and I know you you were really pursuing probably a PhD and wanting to become a professor, but he says, I'm going to tell you a little reality. He says, so if you want to spend, um, you know, 10 years in school, going into debt and get out of school because this is liberal arts degree with almost no prospects of getting a job, certainly not a full-time job. And if you are in a place long enough that you're able to get tenure, it's probably going to be in some little podunk you know, town or place that you really would rather not live in. And once you get tenure, you're going to feel shackled like you have no other option uh, to, but to stay there forever and make almost no money your entire life. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll just continue reading books for fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hate to say it that way, um, but that's probably very possible that that was very wise advice. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't think you'd be playing tennis and golfing and skiing nearly as much. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we've already talked a lot about what would the Rockefellers do, which I do recommend people listen to. But what book would you actually suggest people should read? I would recommend people reading kind of the original book, uh, you know, a Bible of this infinite banking concept movement it was a book written by a gentleman named R. Nelson Nash called Becoming Your Own Banker. And if you don't have that in your financial library, I absolutely believe that that's a, a, a must, whether you end up doing this or not, being aware of it or knowing about it and what it is. Um, and, uh, you know, so you can talk knowledgeably uh, when you hear it being mentioned in circles. Um, it's only about an 85-page book, 
but uh, really, really interesting. It's changed my entire financial life and future personally. And I go back and reread it about every year and a half and uh, still pick up insights and things that I missed or forgot or never knew in the first place. So Very nice. I'll have to add it to mine for sure. All right. <laughs> now, um, you know, one of the things that we also talk about on the show a lot is that, you know, what is the point of all of this, right? What's the point of money? What's the point of understanding you know, all these different financial strategies and executing all of this, you know, and it's not just about making money, it's about living an extraordinary life. So what is your advice for someone that is really focused on building and living an extraordinary life? Yeah, I, that's, I, that's what I talk to people about with this infinite banking concept. It's just a kind of the bedrock of anything else you do, whether your goal is to pay off debts and expenses, you can do it much more effectively and efficiently using your own banking system or whether it's investing. Uh, you know, if you could funnel any of those investing dollars even through your own banking system first before you go invest anything, again, you're just gonna be much more effective and more efficient because you're earning in the secondary place on top of whatever else that you're uh, that you're doing. And yeah, to me, financial freedom is just getting to a point where you can choose to work. Like I enjoy what I'm doing, these conversations, talking to people, teaching people about this, but it's really getting to a point where, you know, money is no longer a reason that you or any of the people you love or care about ever do or do not do anything ever again. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily a certain amount of money, but it's that, you know, kind of idea that it, that's not dictating, um, you, you know, your decisions in life on everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. And then last but not least, if people want to get in touch with you to learn more about this, how can they find you? Yeah, I'd probably say the best place to connect is uh, our website, yourfinancialiq.org, yourfinancialiq.org. Um, and uh, you can get on my calendar. I'd love to have a conversation. We also have a free training if you'd like to learn about everything about the infinite banking concept. Uh, we do have a free masterclass training on there that uh, any of your listeners can can access. And um, like I said, our calendar's there if you want to connect and have a conversation around that. We'd love to do that too. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. This was insightful. I learned even more than I knew before, which is always helpful. And That's I awesome. hope for those of you that are listening today, you also learned something new or a little bit more than you already knew before. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Please don't forget to like, rate, and review the show. Leave us some comments and let us know what you'd like to hear more of. And in the meantime, be bold, be extraordinary, and keep moving forward. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>